Welcome back to the Closing the Gap podcast, everyone. I'm here with Piran White and Pete Coventry from York University. Now, I guess your, your part of this network is a really interesting part that lots of people are going to be able to relate to, green and blue spaces. It feels intuitively right that getting out into nature can help us kind of get or stay healthy. But what evidence is there that green and blue space can help improve the physical and mental health of people living with severe mental illness? So for people with severe mental illness, I'd say there's less evidence than for the general population. One of, one of the challenges we face looking at the network is that most of the studies about green and blue space and their benefits have, have been for looking at average people, whole population levels, and people who tend to get engaged with those studies, which tend to be people who ha- aren't people with severe mental illness. So while there's a good body of evidence for general advantages of blue and green space in terms of mental health and also um, physical health, I'd say at the moment there's relatively fewer studies for people with severe mental illness. And so one of the things that we want to do in in this network is to build that evidence base. It's almost like we know there should be advantages because they're there for the whole population. And, And where people have looked at people in vulnerable groups or um, socio-economically deprived groups, they found actually the benefits might be greater than normal populations. Um, But there is a lack of evidence base for people with severe mental illness, and so we really want to try and close that gap in terms of the evidence gap. Yeah, obviously, often because the research is limited, because it often excludes those people from the studies. I think it was really interesting when Caroline Mm -hmm. Chu Graham was talking about um, GPs prescribing allotments and walks in the woodland and bus passes that get you out into the Peak District. Um, what, what kind of evidence do you think we need to start doing that? Have we got the evidence that we need to do that already? Uh, well, I think, like Perrin said, I think the evidence is pretty weak at the moment about how we uh, improve access to green species to people with SMI. Uh, it's a perfect example in the sense of the gap in research knowledge and why people with SMI are disadvantaged because as you say they tend to be excluded from traditional health services based research Uh, and I think what the advantage of closing the gap brings is that we bring an interdisciplinary approach and a population health approach and a public mental health approach that allows us to engage in interventions that sit outside the health service Uh, And so social prescribing is one example, but of course that stems from being linked to primary care. And I think we're interested in working with third sector and and charitable agencies who who manage and preserve green and blue spaces to think about how can we work with those groups to provide access and and bespoke interventions for people with, with SMI. So I think the primary care context is important because that's in some senses where we find people. And, and, and certainly for research purposes, links with health services are going to be vital. But equally, our links with uh, agencies that sit outside the health service and, and care for people in the community are going to be equally important. And it's about bringing those, 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 those realms together. So I guess this is the launch day of this network, so this is a tricky question to answer, but you've really focused on the cross-disciplinarity and the co-production elements of this. Have you got a sense yet of what kind of research questions you're going to be interested in or what sorts of research in terms of methodology you're going to be funding? Um, I think there's, we're going to draw from different disciplines and a range of methodologies. Initially, um, we're interested in looking at um, associations between people with severe mental illness, um, where they live, what the distribution of green and blue space is. And that will give us some sort of insights. Then we're going to um, 
use uh, a cohort cohort study that's being set up as part of the network um, to try and look at some of the individual level factors and understand the context because very often associations on a kind of large scale will miss some of those individual factors that are really important um, and especially with this group with people with severe mental illness that those contextual factors are going to be really vital in effect to, to seeing how they can engage with new opportunities and where those benefits may be. Where do you see the kind of exciting areas of research currently in this space? Uh, well, I think some of the, the, the things that Perrin just hinted at there, but the linkages between, for example, existing big data and using routinely collected data and how we can repurpose that data to sort of demonstrate gains and benefits in health in people with SMI. And how, how do we map that data to existing data that can chart green space? And so we get a better understanding of, of how those two data sets can link up. But as, as a health scientist myself, it's, it, I, I'm challenged in a sense with understanding how I repurpose and finesse the methods that we typically use, trials, to, to generate robust uh, data about do interventions work. And using and harnessing cohorts, like the Closing the Gap co- co- cohort, is going to be a, a challenge, but a, a really exciting opportunity for us. Mm-hmm.